I was spent fighting cancer. My mom found me lying down in the toilet. I was reaching my 30s, right? I was thinking about my friends, you know, what they are doing. They're all chasing their careers. It was hard to find a job. I felt that I was not providing. Mm. As a man, you want to provide for the family, right? What's the point of living if you can't live a normal life? I doubted the existence of the divine power that is above us. I just wanted to know why. And if you are there, you know, So at the point of time when I, I lost everything, right? I lost my self-esteem, I lost my identity, I lost everything. I don't know who I was. But that day when one of the most defining moments was when I finally got on my own two feet. I was happy but at the same time it was painful because I could feel the organs just weighing down due to gravity and it was painful. Because the wound, I could feel that the wound was stretching. It's one of that was really big. This is free chemo, right? Where you're trying to recover for chemotherapy. <clears throat> yes. I went through the first bout of chemo first, but it was disrupted due to this surgery and recovery period. When I was walking, uh, I accidentally tripped on my door at the plug and I started bleeding. I started bleeding profusely. And I lost so much blood that I fainted. But I, I guess, I, I, I couldn't realize what happened, but I guess the physiotherapist and the doctor the nurse caught me and brought me back to bed. When I finally woke up, I could see that you know, I was all cleaned up and I was questioning what happened. You know. and so my, parent, my father told me that you know, I, I fainted when I was trying to walk. And even during that motion of walking, I forgot how to walk. I was trying to, uh, trying to un move my right leg. You can't coordinate yeah, uh, it was poor. the brain activity towards the leg muscle. Yes. It was poor. I it felt that I was a toddler trying to walk. And that when it dawned upon me that it was a blessing to even walk. Right? That's when I you know, finally I realized that everything in life is a blessing. But then uh, the next stage of recovery was I tried to resume chemotherapy. That's another set of pain. Yes. Right? Okay. How many cycles do you have to go through? Six in total. At which stage did you lose your hair and everything else? I believe it was the second cycle. Oh, yeah. Second cycle only? Yeah. I, I started to lose my hair because of the intensity of the drugs. I remember when I was uh, lying down and all of a sudden I, I felt that there was hair dropping. I touched me. Oh. You know. Do you lose your self-esteem? Of course. <laughs> I, I mean, I have to admit, I was vain. Back in school days, my school days. I can imagine. <laughs> so to lose hair yeah. was uh, was really a killer, right? Uh, but I remember my dad shaved me, shaved my head at the hospital bed itself. Yeah. yeah, and when I look into the mirror, that it was it was tough to swallow. It was tough, right? It was a mood killer. I felt very discouraged, and at that point in time, I was. I was reaching my 30s, right? I was thinking about my friends, you know, what they are doing. They're all chasing their careers, having their own families. It's prime. Yeah. Prime and, time. And here I went, in the hospital bed, like a, like a sick, you know, like a sick cat. You know, I, it was, that was tough to swallow and how I envy them. You know, I wish I could just go out and work. Okay. Any, any other patient who, who went through chemotherapy, right? With the complications on the organs inside, 
it's only as painful as it can be because when you go for chemotherapy, it's like everything else goes ruined because they kill all the cells, good and bad yeah, ones. Yeah, that's right. How did you go through it with all those ruined internal organs? Every cycle of the chemo, throughout the whole six cycles, there were always challenges along the way. I think the third cycle was the on and off fevers, the malignant fevers that, that spiked till 39, 40 degrees and I was shaking uncontrollably due to the due to the fever. So it was constantly trying to f get day to day after day, trying to get the fever down. That wasn't so bad actually. That was just the beginning. The fourth cycle when I start, after two months I this was discharged from hospital, the doctor determined that, hey, you could live with outpatient chemotherapy. You know, I came back to National Cancer Center to, to, do, a chemo, to do my chemo, etc, etc. And after that, when I went home, I told my mom that I felt very weak. I immediately went back to the hospital and the doctor told me that my blood pressure was very low. My heart was beating at 33 beats per minute. And it was worrying because 33 is at any point in time I could just get a heart attack and that's that's it. At end of the end of the road. And the nurse the nurses told me that I can I am not allowed to sleep. I was told I was told to busy myself with activities to elevate my heart rate. Right. So uh, what ensued was um, I stopped the thyroid drugs, focused on chemo and you were still consuming thyroid drugs even though it's not thyroid that you are suffering. The, the hyperthyroidism that I was facing was a secondary um, effect of the of the cancer. Ah. Yeah, because it spread to the lymph nodes that uh, affected my thyroid as well, right? As a result, I had to still go on continue the drugs. But the effect is that I have a very, very low heart rate. So that was the episode of the third cycle. The fourth cycle was the battle with uh, not being able to sleep even though I'm tired. And that was one of the most excruciating moments ever. Right? I remember I was in, I was back in hospital, hospitalized. And I tried to sleep, but I can't. You know. Even with drugs? Yes. I tried, you know, I asked, requested for sleeping pills, but I cannot sleep. And that lesson came to me, right? Sleep is Nick a blessing. Nikmatnya, Ido. So. I was tired, I was spent fighting cancer, fighting the fevers, fighting the vomiting, the nausea. I just wanted to rest, but I couldn't. So I told my dad, you know, I, 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 how? I, I can't sleep. You know, I want to sleep, but I can't. You know, I was, I, it was very frustrating, right? I, I cried, I, I, you know, I cried because I couldn't sleep, you know, and I thought that with, with Zikir, with Solat or whatever on the bed, I thought I could sleep, but no. I remember it was painful not to sleep. The mind spiraled out of control. He said, what's the point of living if you can't live a normal life? And I was, I That's nothing. Yeah. I told myself to give up. In the fifth cycle, there was another episode where I was dehydrated. So oh, Different issues with different cycles. Yes. Okay. It was continuous. I mean, the fevers and all convulsions all were still there, but it was adding on. So the fifth cycle was the fifth cycle. I was I had to battle with um, diarrhea. I was going to the toilet seven eight times in a in a night within a span of six hours. I was exhausted and I collapsed in the toilet. My mom found me lying down in the toilet. I think I had nothing to nothing to give anyone. Yeah, 
to be given. So how did you recover from cycle five? We took a break. Ah, from chemotherapy? For a while. Yeah. Just to recuperate and inject me with probiotics. Try to inject me with the rehydration salts. And we continue, right, with uh, the fifth cycle of chemotherapy. But the most painful of all was the mental anguish that I was going through on the last cycle. That was, I believe that was the deliverance of my own, of my own self. Throughout the whole time, I was trying to find answers about why, and why, I keep asking why, finding the root cause about why all this is happening. It led me to another question, say, is this, is this world even real? Or is this just an illusion? You know, I doubted my own faith, I doubted, I doubted the existence of the divine power that is above us, I, I doubted, is this even true? If he is merciful, then why is he inflicting this pain on me? And chemotherapy was, they, it screws up your hormones, right? You have a lot of mood swings. And, you're, and I remember I was this vortex of emotions, right? I was trying to tell myself that, you know, you know, you, you, have, you have to Taubat, but... <clears throat> and I thought that with Taubat that I could... With repentance, I could just restart and everything would be fine, but it's not. And I, one of the most defining moments was I was inside this ward. You know, I was inside my ward in hospital and... There was this man in front of me who had cancer as well. On the day he was admitted, he was fine. He could walk to the toilet. I couldn't. I, I envied him actually. And it seemed to me that his condition got worse over a few days. And after, I think about five days, he passed away. And I was questioning myself, my God, am I next? You know, he was well, but I wasn't. It could, it could be me. So at that point of time, I was searching for answers. I was so desperate to search for answers. I, I remember I was in my mind, I was questioning, really, if you are there, you know, tell me. Give me an answer. I wanted, I was demanding, you know. You know, like, I just wanted to know why. And if you are there, you know, Can hang on, hang on, please. Okay, so never mind. Cool down. Did you get the answers after asking from God? Or when did the answers came about? I was I was arrogant at the time. I got the next day. Mm. When it all makes sense, <clears throat> when I opened my phone, and I tried to read Quran, it so mm. happened that I was on Surah, uh, surah Al-Waqiyah, mm -hmm. and I read, and it felt like God was answering me. Um, you know, so in that surah, God speaks about the preserved tablet, Lahul Mahfuz, and the noble Quran is God's revelation. And the next ayah, it was, I remember, right? <clears throat> it was mentioned that it's a revelation from the Lord of the Worlds. And then he's asking me, that, it was a question in the ayah, right? Is, is it this discourse that you're taking lightly? 
it's as if that is as if it's telling me that I'm taking it lightly, right? You don't take my word to be the truth. And it so happens that the next one of the next few ayahs he was saying that if truly that you are, you know, if you if you are if you are well, if you are capable, and then why do you not intervene when when the soul was being pulled out? From, from a man and he was telling me like that was, it was just that person in front of me that man in front of me right so it's like God telling me that if you are so good and like you are so strong you are capable right? why do you not do that if it's true right and the next ayah was say that we are closer we are closer to him but you do not perceive it and at that very moment right it brings me back to the ayah. It says that you know, we are the ones who drop semen in the wounds. Are we the ones who create, or are you the one? You know, I'm 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 just speaking in layman about what my understanding was. About that. I just cried because of my sheer arrogance, and my sheer stubbornness, and I will never ever forget that moment. <laughs> Do you realize that? Percaya tak? Hidayah tu tak datang kepada semua orang. And only the one chosen by the Almighty will be given hidayah. Aren't you not the chosen one? I believe because of what he says in the Quran, right? We found you lost and we, and we guided you. So hidayah tu memang milik Tuhan. He chooses who to whomever he wills. And I, I just... I guess I'm blessed to receive it. I, I just felt that I, I was reborn. I felt like there was a cold shower on my head. So after cycle number six, you found the answers that you were looking for. Yes. That five percent of life that the doctor predicted was not true. <laughs> yeah. So you are a miracle man. Do you believe that God gave you the miracle for you to see what is designed for you now? Yes. I believe that in hindsight, right, when I look back, yeah. it was all appropriate, non-random, it was all purposeful. Tell me the person that you are now. <laughs> Compared to when you were young and, and mighty. I look at life differently right now. Okay. I, I don't... Alhamdulillah, I, I believe I've changed to be better to be closer to him. Mm-hmm. Right? I believe I became better to my parents. Mm. Right? And they, after they have done for me, I, there was never ever a way for me to repay them. My wife, right? she was there all the while when I was at my lowest. But then even when she was just my girlfriend, she, was stuck, she, she stuck by me. She didn't leave you? She didn't. That's a blessing. Yes. Right? So God gave me Sickness, God gave me hell. God gave me a partner. What more could I ask? Moving forward, you lose your career. You lose captainship. You <laughs> lose the pilotship, the pilothood. Economy went back to zero. Yeah. Now, you started relearning from zero somewhere, right? When I left the force mm. in my own accord, I told myself that I wanted some form of spiritual healing and physical healing, right? 
the force could not sustain you or you could not live with the force anymore? I, I could not cope with the lifestyle anymore. So I decided to change. Mm. I, I believe that rezeki itu kat tangan Tuhan. It could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I told my wife that I wanted to leave and that I wanted to pursue something different. But it was tough. I, it was hard to find a job due to my condition, etc, etc. The bills were mounting, hospital bills, and at that point of time, I was, I was broke. I had a bit of money, but, but it was difficult because I still had to go back to do my uh, regular visits, my checkups and whatnot. So cash was something that I had to, you know, uh, find immediately. You have to straddle. Yeah, correct. And I remember there was this lecture that I watched, Imam Sayyid Ramadan Al-Buti. And he advised young Muslims to go to the mosque uh, during Subo to pray, stay up till... Uh, after, uh, yeah, stay up until Duha to pray, to ask God for sustenance. Alhamdulillah, God gave me that ease. One thing led to another and one fine day, a friend just invited me to work at a shop in Tampines. Uh, Doing? <laughs> to sell curry puff. Ah, okay. Curry puff, yeah. Uh, Which is a, f- a far cry from what you were. Yes. At that point of time, I needed money. So I thought that this would, it was something that, you know, Anything will do. Yeah, anything will do. What was the job scope? Initially, it was just to, to, to be a salesman. And one fine day, there was a man who was doing bread in that shop and kind of like enticed me to try. So I said, Bang, beri tolong aja ni buat roti. And Abang cakap, kau biar betul kau nak buat ni. Tak, bukan, bukan, bukan senang tau nak kena tahu ni semua. Tak apa, try. So I began to learn um, how to do the dough. Hmm. I learned how to mix the dough to, to make uh, yeasted bread. It was not normal buns, uh, macam roti bai inside hmm. God. Uh, you know, when I understood eat, the term. When eaten, when eaten hot is fantastic, right? I know. So I thought that, hey, you know, what if I have other feelings inside Nutella, ikan bilis, sambal ikan bilis, you know, all this kind of thing. The brain starts functioning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but before that, I want to take a step back. Um, how did the job offer came about? How did you meet the person at it, the mosque who offers you this job? It wasn't, no, it wasn't at the, it was my friend from the army who, yeah. who has already left as well. Okay. But he was asking me to help part-time at this shop. Knowing your condition? Yes. So when, when it's tough to get a job outside, this one friend said, Namai, kau tolong aku sudahlah. Uh, tolong sudahlah. You know, um, diorang pun nak pakai orang. Ah, okay. Uh, tolong lah. Kejap, maybe setengah hari tu dah boleh nak pergi balik. Okay lah, why not? You know, in the meantime, whilst I was trying to find uh, a stable job. They need a pretty salesman lah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah. But I could not be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you learn on how to to make the dough. Yes. But was it was it tough? Like, hey, alamak, do I have to go through this motion and learning something different, something to, yang less stylish lah, yeah, less glamorous. Correct. Yeah, uh, was um, you affected my morale a lot actually. You know, I didn't expect that I would do this kind of thing. Mm. To me, that this is a bit of a what I brand as. Uh, not within my skill set, or not what I was not meant to do. 
not meant to achieve. This is what I dream of. Ah, aku nak jadi benda lain. Sekarang dah kena uli roti. Yeah. But yeah. you did not give up. I did not. So I I I I pursued to understand how the the science behind it, right? How yeast bread works and whatnot. So I I begin to enjoy it. I begin to enjoy the challenge uh, of putting different feelings. But it was tough because I tried to practice at home. It wasn't the same. You know, the dough keeps tearing. You know, I have to face multiple occasions where you know it was just wasted material. Wasted raw ingredients, I just have to throw it away. Can you imagine at the time I was cash trapped, but at the same time I was trying to find raw materials to make my dough. How long was this process of you trying and testing? It took me, um, all in all, it took me two years to where I am right now. Two Test. plus years, yeah. Um, initially, it was all yeasted doughs, like to how to make donuts and how to make uh, buns, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but when I finally achieved to to, to perfect that, that 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 craft, I tried to move into something more difficult, right? Which is to do pastries. But I remember the challenges back then when I was doing buns. I remember it was a small cornel oven, right? It's tabletop size. Put the buns inside, semua pecah. I tried to bungkus the sambalikan bilis inside, you know, but because of the oil and how it, the mm. the texture, right? And because my dough was so tender, I did not prove it properly. I did not ferment it properly, so it was under fermented, under proof, and it was haywire inside the oven. It took me quite a while to understand the mechanics behind it. Um, so after that, then I tried to do the donuts, right? And I it was just going through YouTube and trying to find recipes and whatnot, but it wasn't a suitable one. So I had to find my own recipe. I had to, you know, make do a makeshift version of what I found on YouTube and Alhamdulillah that's when I started selling on Instagram a question where's your wife in this process? she was I mean she has a normal day-to-day job but at the same time she um, was trying feeding me with different different recipes hey why don't you try this she was feeding me trying to get me to remain afresh about what's the next experiment. How do you manage your ego as a man when the wife is bringing in the dough? <laughs> Does it teach you humility? Of course, definitely. Yeah. Uh, of course, definitely. Uh, it was difficult to swallow. Definitely. Very, very difficult to swallow. I felt that I was not providing. Mm. As a man, you want to provide for the family, right? That's the main principle or the main pillars of why what a family is. Does it cause any tension? There are misunderstandings, but we communicate. She understands my situation very well. You know, it's something that I did not want or I did not wish for. But I told her that you know, I'm not going to quarrel with you. You know, I love you. Hmm. We are meant to be to do to this together. We are team. We are on the same side. I know I'm not providing now, but I'm determined to change the course of life. I'm going to work hard to provide for us. Right. You know that kept me going because I knew my wife gave me the trust. She stuck by me through everything. Right? So the only way to be paid back is to work doubly hard. She's lucky. No, I'm the lucky one. Throughout all those pain that you have to go through, did your friends leave you? No. Um, 
I have a very close group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they were since my primary school days. Mm. Uh, they were like, yeah, five of them, six of them. Yeah, um, they stuck by me throughout the whole process. I would say that they were very supportive of me. You know, doing this baking. This uh, they bring back the laughter that that you have been missing for a yeah. long time. <laughs> Ikental pun kau sekarang dah joruti. Tell them no. Now, um, during this process, something came about, right? Tell me about Mariam Azahra. Ah, so hey, because she came during a very difficult time. Talk about your daughter. Um, I remember when I was going through chemotherapy, or even before that, when I was diagnosed with cancer, the doctor offered me to to um, extract my sperm, sperm yeah. to store it because. Due to the intensity of the chemo treatment, I might lose, might lose my uh, hormones. Yeah, correct. I might be important. Yeah. Right? Alhamdulillah, that was itself a miracle, right? I, yes. Uh, my wife wanted a child, and I was excited too. You know, I wanted, I wanted, uh, I wanted to start a family. By that point of time, I knew that I wasn't, I wasn't able to provide. Hmm. So I had to juggle between that. Um, expectation and the reality of living correct. life. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I continue baking, selling on the weekends, and I continue to work in uh, in, in in the shop on the weekdays until I found finally landed a job in logistics. Um, Alhamdulillah, that's when it started to click. Mm-hmm. So we tried for a child. Alhamdulillah, we are blessed with uh, now one and a half year old Maria, and she's. She's everything to me. She's uh, she's a miracle in herself. So from five percent of leaving chance of leaving, yes, to having a child naturally, yes. Looking back in hindsight, I I cannot believe that it all happened, right? Mm. Uh, who knows? That I could even recover from that. What more to even have a child? I mean, cancer really changed my life for the better. Right? I became more responsible. I forgive people easier. I don't hold grudges anymore. Alhamdulillah, I. If there is one word that you can describe yourself to me, what would that be? Now. I would say silent. I keep my thoughts to myself, and I know God hears me. So, any problem that I face, I I tell him about it. I only share my thoughts and my problems if. Need be not because I'm selfish, but because I believe that everything happens for a purpose. Um, you mentioned that your dad was your rock. Is there something or anything that you want to tell him that you could not say it in person to him? Something like a living memory. I would tell him that he's my role model. He taught me everything what it means to be a leader of a family. He taught me the values of uh, not just being a father but being a husband. He taught me what it means to be brave, to be courageous, to endure hardship, to be there for your child. There was never once that he shed a tear in front of me. Mm-hmm. Never once. Why did I say that? Because my mom told me that behind closed doors he was crying in front of my mom. Mm-hmm. But that strength that he has to bring me forward, something that I admired him a lot. He has. He was at that point of time. He was 60. He was working and he had to take care of me. A grown adult, right? He had to take care of me and go back to work the next day. That 
the amount of sleep that he has and having to come back and take care of me, that was just remarkable. That's something that I can never emulate. What's your du'a for him? May God forgive his sins and bring him close to the pious ones, the solihin, the mukarabi. I think that's the least that he deserves. What about those who who's going through pain just like you right now and don't have the hope and courage to move forward another step? What's your du'a for them? Of course, may Allah grant them shifa. Mm-hmm. Breezes of ease through the hardship that they go through and you know, hope they can realize that you know, the darker the clouds, the heavier the rain. Right? Um, just have to be, be patient with beautiful patience. And inshallah, the, the reward will come. That's all I can say. Are you a happy man now? Of course I am. I have a beautiful wife, a beautiful child. So I'm blessed. I'm really, really blessed. Alhamdulillah. So do you think that the pain that God put you through was necessary for you to become the person that you are today? Definitely. I think it shaped me to be a person who I am today. Right? Now that I've beaten cancer with Allah's will, yeah. I feel that I can do anything. Right? You were not ready to die then. God granted that wish. Now, what's going to be like for the rest of your life from now on? I believe I'm going to continue do what I do best, which is to continue um, making pastries, building my business for my loved ones, for my family, right, to leave a legacy. Mm-hmm. And I want, to, I want to give something back to the community. Right? I hope I can, I can make, continue to produce food for the needy and whatnot. That's the least I could do to, to atone my sins in the past. And of course, to inspire people, to give hope to those out there who are still fighting. Not just cancer, but any, any disease that you can... It's okay to reset. It's okay to reset, you know. You don't live on the validation of others. And that's something that I learned a lot. You know, I do have to put my face down and my ego down. My self-esteem, I have to rebuild back that confidence. I'll just continue to encourage people, reach out to people out there, whoever needs help. I've learned a lot from you from this interview. I've learned about resilience. I learned about faith. I learned about the fact that never, ever give up. Yeah. Sebab kuasa daripada Tuhan tu adalah amat-amat indah dan indah lagi bila kita dapat melihat akan manfaatnya. Indah bila kita dapat mengenali akan kekuasaannya dan uh, rahmat tu adalah sesuatu yang tidak datang kepada semua orang dan mudah-mudahan kita yang sedang menuntun uh, keep it coming bersama dengan Fuad akan mendapat rahmat yang dilimparkan kepada uh, Fuad dan semoga nur di atas nur yang ada pada diri beliau akan jatuh kepada diri kita semua. Amin. Amin. Till next time, I'm Adi and this is Keep It Coming. Thank you.